What's happening, everybody? On today's show, we're going to preview the SEC championship game with our buddy Dan Matthews. Does LSU have any chance to upset the Georgia Bulldogs? Also, Will Levis declares for the NFL draft, along with a few other SEC guys. We've got a ton of new names in the transfer portal across the conference. We'll also talk with Lynn Scarborough of Lindy Sports to get his thoughts on Auburn hiring Hugh Freeze. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what is happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. It's great to have you guys along. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. And remember, Locked On SEC is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube and at LockedOnSEC.com. Let's welcome in our very special guest. He is Dan Matthews. You can follow him on Twitter at Dan Matthews ATL right there in Atlanta where the SEC Championship will be played this Saturday. Dan has a very unique perspective. Being there in Atlanta, he covers the Georgia Bulldogs as close as anybody. But he also roots for LSU, so I thought nobody better to have on. Dan, how are you, man? Awesome, buddy. Yeah, it's a heck of a week and a heck of a weekend. I mean, you know, last time we had this scenario, it was uh, looking a lot better for LSU. And now, uh, as I made the comment today on my own podcast, The Southern Beat, I said, this is looking closer to what 2005 was of this matchup and not 2019. So they've had some classics in this game, uh, but uh, definitely uh, Georgia, I think, uh, at least on paper. And uh, I know that our, our good buddy Josh Pate is going to say, come on, Dan, it's not played on paper. Uh, <laughs> but uh, at least on paper, it's looking like it could be a really good day for Kirby Smart and the dogs. Well, let's jump into it, Dan. Uh, LSU around a 17.5-point underdog coming off their, you know, arguably their toughest loss of the year, losing a lowly Texas A&M. What's LSU got to do to give Georgia a game? Uh, well, I think that it comes down to Jaden Daniels. Number one, how healthy is he? I mean, because, you know, that ankle you're hearing about on Monday that he's still in a boot, that doesn't necessarily inspire confidence that the mobility is going to be there. And we know that that's a huge part of Jaden Daniels' game. I mean, one of the leading rushers on this team, uh, also, too, somebody that, you know, when all else fails, I mean, the protection has gotten so much better for him as the season has gone along. But that has been something that probably has helped keep him from getting sacked and helped uh, having them lose uh, huge chunks of yards, uh, you know, with uh, the uh, offensive line being what they have been at times this year. So I think that that's something to really keep an eye on. I mean, I, you know, I haven't seen any practice reports from Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, I assume that he is going to be out there ready to go on Saturday. But again, I mean, you know, you deal with ankles like that. Uh, it's uh, definitely uh, not a good thing uh, to be dealing with. And this is also to an LSU team. You know, as a fan watching it on Saturday night, I was highly annoyed. You know that as well as anybody. But at the same time, though, too, I think that it was also a team that probably just was out of gas. And I'm not using that as an excuse. I think that it was, you know, just the the gauntlet that they've run. They don't have the depth right now. And also, too, I think that with a young team like they have, I think there probably was a little bit of thinking of, these guys are four and seven. They're they're already thinking about next season, or they're thinking about the next place they're going to go. This will be easy, and A and M did not play that way. So uh, it was an interesting lesson to learn. And uh, now with uh, no playoff to uh, to to play for, uh, it'll be interesting to see if uh, LSU uh, steps up for this one. And 
uh, tries to put another uh, best foot forward. It's interesting you mentioned Jaden's running ability because you feel like that's part of his game. He's got to do something. But George has done such a good job of limiting quarterbacks this year. Bo Nix had just 37 yards. Robbie Ashford, one of the more successful, he had 52. Uh, Anthony Richardson, just 19. Hendon Hooker, just 17 yards. And Will Levis, just 26. I mean, these are all guys who are mobile, who use their legs as part of their game at times, but none of them able to do anything. And I look at those linebackers, uh, Small Munden and Jamin Dumas, Johnson or two of George's leading tacklers for a reason. They do just such a great job of closing those running lanes up and tackling in space. It's going to be difficult, but it feels like, like you said, that Jaden Daniels has to have a big day running the football if they have a chance. Well, also, too, I mean, a huge thing for Georgia is a healthy Jalen Carter up front and right there in the interior because he's caused so much trouble for teams this year. I mean, that Tennessee game, he was a monster in, in that game. Kentucky as well, uh, even last weekend as well. And I know that uh, Zion Lowe got banged up a little bit. Uh, I think that he's going to be good to go. I'm not 100% sure on that. Uh, but still, I mean, that defensive front, I think, was a group that when you lose a, J, uh, you know, a, a Jordan Davis and, and, and a few of the really good players from that defensive front, you're kind of worried about what things could look like for them. Ergo, what's that going to mean for a pretty young and inexperienced secondary? But uh, that group's been pretty strong all year, even after losing on the edge, uh, losing Nolan Smith. I mean, you've had Robert Beal be able to step up, and uh, you've had uh, a host of other players, uh, Chaz Chambliss uh, as well as somebody else that's been able to step up uh, outside. So, uh, you know, I think that that's going to be key for Georgia. I can't remember the exact stat that I saw today, but I saw somebody threw out a clean pocket for Jaden Daniels, broken down, uh, what was it? Uh, 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 I forget what the word, the different word was for a blitz, but bringing blitzes uh, as, uh, you know, simulating pressure, I guess, is, is what it is, or just bringing pressure, what those numbers are and, and, and how much, uh, you know, less accurate and, you know, and how much, uh, less effective he is uh, when you do uh, have pressure in his face. I mean, I don't know of many quarterbacks out there that are necessarily that good when they have a lot of pressure in their face, but uh, I got to believe that uh, Georgia is going to try to uh, be able to try to limit those rushing lanes as best they can on Saturday. And, and let's talk about Jaden. I mean, he, we saw during the Florida game, the, the Alabama game, the Ole Miss game, he was letting it fly, throwing that ball down the field. Against Arkansas and against A&M, we saw more timid Jaden Daniels again. This is a game I feel like he's got to let it fly. I know George is so good in the secondary. Malachi Starks has been a baller at safety. Chris Smith is really good. Uh, Keely Ringo has been good. I mean, they've got good guys, but LSU's got Kayshawn Booty and Malik Neighbors. Like, to me, you got good talent. Throw it down the field. If Georgia picks it off or they make stops, you tip your cap to them. But they've got to take the shots. No, I, I think you're 100% right. I mean, you know, this is it, – it's probably going to be a broken record for me to say, you know, health considering. Um, but I, I think if you're Mike Denbrock and you're Jaden Daniels, throw the kitchen sink in this game. What do you have to lose? I mean, you know, the worst-case scenario is, you know, you're going to play on a New Year's Day bowl game somewhere and had a chance to win 10 wins in, in your first season. Or, you know, if you're able to pull this off, maybe you can get 11 wins and, and play in a New Year's Six bowl game. Um, you know, I, I just I, I don't necessarily think that this is a game that you come out of having regrets if you're Daniels, if he's healthy enough, or if you're Mike Denbrock of just say, hey, you know what, let's throw everything but the kitchen sink at these guys. And if it works out for us, because you're right. I mean, look, still not lost is now are they 2019 good? No. 
But you've still got Keishon Butte, who is one of the best receivers in the game. I understand that his production and his numbers haven't been what people thought they were going to be all year. You've had Malik Neighbors, who's had a really good year. Mason Taylor, as a true freshman, has been outstanding for this LSU offense. And the same deal with Jare Jenkins as well. So there's good talent. And, and John Emery seems like he's kind of found another level of his play as the season's gone along. So I don't want Georgia fans out there just to think that this is going to be a walkover. If they win this game, they're going to have beaten a good team, much like they beat a good team in Oregon, much like they beat a good team now that we found out in South Carolina. And, and also, um, you know, Kentucky, after kind of a disappointing season, able to get a nice win over in-state Louisville last week. So Georgia's beaten good teams all year. It's not necessarily going to be a thing that they can just walk over this one. And let's be honest here, too, Chris, well, from the Georgia per- perspective of all of this, In games that that's been perceived that could be the case, they've kind of struggled at times this year. We saw it last week with Georgia Tech as well. So I think they need to hope that they get the uh, efforts that they got in those other games because if so, it's going to continue a really good trend for this Georgia team of not only winning these games comfortably but controlling them from start to finish. This is going to sound like I'm hating on him, but I'm not. I've been one of the biggest Stetson Bennett fans of anybody. But is it fair to say he's been good this year, not great? Because when I look at his numbers, his completion percentage has gone up 64% last year, 67% this year. He has 300 more passing yards this season, but he's thrown 13 less touchdown passes, 29 last year, just 16 this year. He does have the seven rushing touchdowns, and that to me is LSU. If Georgia gets in the red zone, you've got to be thinking about Stetson and his running ability. But – where are you with Stetson this year? I mean, again, I don't want to be negative. He's been really good. It's just not been that superstar level I thought we might get from him this year. Well, from the numbers perspective in the production, no, he hasn't been. And he's also been a guy that uh, – I'm going to steal a line from Matt Stenchcomb, who joins us uh, every week on uh, 6A, the fan in Atlanta. And uh, he threw out the term YOLO balls. He throws a lot of you-only-live-once footballs, and they get picked off. Uh, So he is very much a gunslinger. He's a guy that will take chances. I think that probably not having a healthy A.D. Mitchell has hurt a little bit this year because that's a guy he relied upon pretty heavily last year along with Ladd McConkey and along with Brock Bowers. He still relies on the other two guys, and they've been huge for him. Um, And, you know, you've gotten good contributions out of true freshman Dylan Bell uh, as well as a guy that I think a lot of people really forget is still here in Dominic Blaylock, who with a couple of torn ACLs hasn't had the career that I think he or anybody thought that he would have at Georgia. So the production and the numbers have not been there. But I will say this, I think that he continues that aside from the interceptions to be a guy uh, that's not going to give too much away. Uh, That's that's not going to. Uh, in uh, situations where it's, hey, you know, we, did, we need to choose some time off this, uh, off this clock here. Uh, can you go out there and give us a, a long, time-consuming drive? I mean, no better example than the Tennessee game, that first drive of the third quarter where they had it for like almost like 10 minutes. I mean, it was almost kind of, you know, reminiscent of uh, the old, uh, this is going to be a throwback for you, Chris. Not everybody's going to get this reference, but uh, the old uh, 2011 uh, Houston Texans with Gary Kubiak, with Matt Schaub as the quarterback, that, yeah, you had Andre Johnson. You had a lot of really good players, Arian Foster in, in the crew, but I remember a game that they had against the Pittsburgh Steelers where they held on to the football for almost the entire first quarter. And we all know that the name of the game that day against Tennessee was make sure you don't give Hendon Hooker and that offense extra possessions with the football. They did a couple of times, but for the most part, uh, they were able to really be able to limit their opportunities. And, and I think that that's something else that we've seen this year from him, that 
While they have had some very sexy wins this year with him as the quarterback, like I said, uh, Oregon put everybody on notice at the beginning of the season. Uh, South Carolina, now that win looks a lot better. Tennessee, obviously we know how good a win that was despite what the playoff committee thinks of them as opposed to Alabama. And then, you know, Kentucky on the road, that was one that it was just kind of like, gosh, 10 points, really? That's all you beat them by? I mean, I get it was cold. It was uh, just a pretty awful day there. Uh, but, you know, they've had those games. And I think that that's something that, uh, for the most part, kind of, you know, worries people with this team is that, um, you know, you have those moments where you have a bad quarter. A bad quarter this time of the year can mean you lose the game. So uh, I think that that's something uh, also, too, tying into the Stetson Bennett conversation that people might have is, hey, man, if we need you to put together a drive, can you do it? Because I think, if I'm not mistaken, the only time either in his career or at least for just this year that he's trailed in the second half of a game was, which it wouldn't be his career because it was Alabama last year, national championship, was Missouri this year. So, God forbid they find themselves behind at any point in the second half of this game. That's going to be kind of uncharted territory for him in this offense. Yeah. Uh, but look, you got a three headed, you know, backfield like McIntosh and Edwards and Milton. Give those guys the ball, let them go run it down LSU's throat. If you just saw what De- Devon Aching did at uh, College Station, they were licking their chops to, to get it. All right, moment of truth, Dan. Give me a score prediction. I've seen anywhere from 33 14, 38 13, that kind of territory. Where are you going? I think it's probably somewhere in the category of like 41-17 Georgia. Uh, I think that they are going to be able to score some points. I mean, as you mentioned right there, I mean, Kenny McIntosh uh, and uh, Kendall Milton have really kind of found a a second gear uh, this year running the football. I think that's been huge. Uh, And I think that they will be able to score some points. And I think that they can probably get some turnovers. I mean, this is an LSU not only offense, but also special teams crew that has shown – this year that they can give the other team some opportunities, whether it's a muff punt, uh, if it's a, you know, mishandled, uh, you know, kickoff or, or something like that, or gosh forbid, you know, another block field goal or something like that. I mean, you know, we've seen that there's opportunities there. So I think that what the theme of this game is going to be is obviously with the score, you, you know that I believe that Georgia is a much better team. This is, completely the opposite of 2019 where it was LSU it was theirs to lose and they didn't do it they went out there and especially in the second half pulled away and took control of that game and won that game I think that Georgia probably came out of that game that day and Kirby Smart and they said we're not there yet that's that's not where we're at I think that that's probably going to be the message for Brian Kelly and the LSU players coming out of that game of look whether we want to admit it or not the goal was not even to be at this point. This is absolutely, uh, you know, just a, a, a huge thing for us. But now when we get back here, let's be able to, you know, win this thing and, and, and increase our goals as a program. Kirby, just the one SEC championship. You know he wants to get another one of those trophies. He the- brought it up the other day. He <laughs> brought it up the other day on, on the conference call. So, yeah, I guarantee you someone's mentioned that to him. So he's, he's, a, he's a very prideful guy, there's no doubt. He is Dan Matthews, of course, 680 The Fan there in Atlanta, working with the Chuck Oliver Show as well. Dan, good to talk with you as always, man. Thanks so much. Yeah, always fun, buddy. And I uh, hate to be missing you this weekend for the SEC, but uh, hopefully somewhere down the road we're able to catch up. All right, good stuff, man. We'll talk again soon. See you, buddy. All right, that's Dan Matthews there, and I appreciate him previewing the SEC championship game coming up this weekend in Atlanta. Thank you guys for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. 
Coming up next, we'll go around the conference, get you all the uh, latest uh, draft announcements and transfer portal news. It's happening like crazy. But first, this episode is presented by our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. You get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer, esports. We've got it covered at BetOnline.net. And if you love podcasts, they got those as well. Find them at BetOnline.net. We're always the fastest and easiest way for you to get your betting fix. Head on over to the website today. You can do so on your mobile device. Learn more. It is BetOnline. It is where the game starts. All right, continue on here, Locked On SEC. Our buddy Lynn Scarborough will join us in just a few minutes. But first, we got to jump into it. we got a lot to cover. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. Around the conference. And we start over at Auburn as Hugh Freeze continues to evaluate the current Auburn staff, deciding who will stay, who will go. Well, we know who will go. Offensive line coach Will Friend, who is acting as the team's O.C., after they uh, fired Eric Keesaw, along with defensive coordinator Jeff Schmetting, wide receivers coach Ike Hilliard, and D-line coach Jimmy Brumbaugh have all been reportedly told by Hugh Freeze to hit the road. Uh, meanwhile, according to 24-7 Sports, two other position coaches are expected to be retained other than Cadillac Williams. Uh, defensive backs coach Zach Etheridge and linebackers coach Christian Robinson expected to stay on. So keeping uh, some of the Auburn faithful guys there uh, in the program, always a good idea. Now, Hugh Freeze being the new head coach at Auburn, one player who said he is most excited about him coming over is quarterback Robbie Ashford. Ashford talking with the media yesterday said, I've been praying for this. If I get Coach Freeze, it's going to be deadly. Just because I've seen what he's done in the past, he's a winner. He is a proven winner. So, uh, look, doesn't get any bigger than, than that kind of praise. And Robbie Ashford, I thought, got better as the year went along. He was in a tough situation with uh, lack of weapons, not dedicating themselves to the run game until Cadillac took over. And I thought he did some good things. Even last week in the Iron Bowl, he showed some things with his legs and his arms. So can't wait to see Robbie Ashford's development now with Hugh Freeze taking over at Auburn. Meanwhile, over Kentucky, no surprise, but Will Levis made it official on Wednesday, officially announcing for the 2023 NFL Draft. We will see if he will play in his bowl game. According to a report, he has made no final decision yet on that, but says a decision is coming soon. I got to think. Look, well, go get ready for the NFL Draft. Uh, Kaya Sharon can start in the bowl game, but uh, we'll see. If they get somebody uh, really good in a bowl matchup, maybe he wants to go prove himself and uh, let it all hang out there. But for a guy who's projected, at least by a lot of the scouts, to be a first-round pick right now, Will Levis, go start preparing for the draft, man. Mission accomplished. Over at uh, Missouri, Eli Drinkwitz continuing to lose guys from his program. Missouri senior safety Martez Manuel announced Wednesday he is declaring for the NFL draft. Manuel recorded 48 tackles, nine and a half tackles for a loss, and four sacks this season. Meanwhile, at Arkansas, Sam Pittman losing his senior center. Ricky Stromberg announced he will declare for the NFL draft. He had a chance to return for another season because of the pandemic waiver, but Stromberg, a fantastic career in a Razorback uniform, started 44 of the 46 games he played. He was the starting center for the team's last 25 games, so outstanding job there by him. Meanwhile, over at Tennessee, Josh Heupel going to have to be 
doing some retooling this offseason as wide receivers Jimmy Callaway and Jimmy Holiday both announced they are leaving the Tennessee program to enter the transfer portal. Callaway was a four-star prospect, while Holiday was a three-star. When you look at that receiving core, though, Cedric Tillman is a senior. He'll be moving on. Jalen Hyatt projects to go to the NFL draft. Right now, he's projected as a first-round pick. So that'll leave you next year. Brew McCoy, Ramel Keaton, and Squirrel White as the primary targets for Joe Milton. I wonder, though, are they going to look at a transfer wide receiver to come in? Dominic Lovett over at Missouri. Come on over to Nash, uh, Knoxville. Be a nice weapon there. And I'm just assuming Joe Milton will be the starter next year. Very well could be. Nico, the five-star quarterback coming in. We'll see. Uh, a couple other moves at Tennessee. Running backs, Leneth Whitehead and Justin Williams-Thomas are set to enter the transfer portal as well. They were used as rotational pieces behind Jabari Small and Jalen Wright. Over at Mississippi State, Jaden Crumedy. Been a big part of Mississippi State's football program for the last four years. He was a holdover prior to Mike Leach's arrival in uh, Starkville. And the Hattiesburg native has announced on Twitter he will remain with the Bulldogs next year. We had him on at uh, SEC Media Days. Great kid. Had uh, 11 tackles, three and a half tackles for a loss. Only played in four games in 2022. Uh, but he is coming back. So congrats to, to Jaden Crumedy. Wish him best of luck next year. Over at Ole Miss, defensive back MJ Daniels announced on social media he is entering the transfer portal. He will have two years of eligibility remaining. He originally withdrew his name from the transfer portal last January. Over at Alabama, some moves on the wide receiving core. Earlier in the day yesterday, Christian Leary announced he was entering the transfer portal. And then Wednesday afternoon, Treshawn Holden announced he's entering the transfer portal. Six foot three, 214 pound receiver, caught 25 balls for 330 yards and six touchdowns in his junior season this year. Had a 27-yard touchdown catch in the Iron Bowl on Saturday. Came in as a heralded recruit, was a four-star prospect. So Treshawn Holden on the move from Alabama. Also a four-star recruit, offensive lineman Tanner Bowles on the move as well. Came in the 2019 class, four years at Alabama. Appeared in 18 games, mostly as a backup. So Tanner Bowles going to get some looks elsewhere. Uh, Arkansas's punter. Also uh, announcing that he has ended his uh, Razorback career. Reed Bauer announced he is going to enter the transfer portal. Parts of five seasons, he had uh, made 179 punts for the Razorbacks. Over at South Carolina, offensive lineman Jordan Davis announced he will be leaving Columbia. He will have three years of eligibility remaining at his next school. And one more Missouri note, safety Jelani Williams will not be back in Missouri. He posted to Twitter that his time at Columbia has ended. And lastly, on a kind of sour note, Florida backup quarterback Jalen Kitna was arrested Wednesday on two counts of distribution of child exploitation material and three counts of possession of child pornography. He's 19 years old. He's the son of former NFL quarterback John Kitna, was arrested by the Gainesville Police Department. He has been suspended indefinitely from the program. And there you have it. That is the latest news going on around the conference. Coming up next, we're going to talk all things SEC with our buddy Lynn Scarborough from Lindy Sports. Thank you guys again for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. All right, we're 
roll along here, Locked on SEC, and uh, always fun to catch up with our buddy Lynn Scarborough from Lindy Sports, and we're already up against it, so let's jump right into it. Uh, Lynn, it's been a, a fun year. The regular season uh, came to an end. Uh, been a fun season, though, right? You know, this has been a funny year, guys. The um, I think more teams with more on the line have lost games that if you looked at it on paper, they shouldn't lose. I mean, you look at Tennessee. I, I said on y'all's show two weeks ago, I thought the easiest path to the national championship was Tennessee because I just assumed that they would beat uh, Missouri, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt. And, and, and they give up 63 points to South Carolina with the, with the national championship run, you know, sitting, sitting there on the line. And, and that just, you know, last week, Clemson, uh, you know, they still, if they can, if they can be a one loss team against Notre Dame and win their championship, uh, you know, they got a real shot at making the finals and they, and they lose it. And the luster got taken off the SEC championship game because I, I, I really, and I'd said that on y'all's show, I, I didn't think, nor do I still think that a two, a two loss team should make it to the uh, final four. But LSU was clearly the team. If somebody did it, they were clearly the team that would, that would make it. And, you know, and they lost. And you've just had, you know, you've had a number of teams that looked looked better on the, going into the game than they performed in games that really meant a lot. And I think that's where we're, you know, that, that's that's why we're, we've got such a few number of teams. Oregon is one that did. Um, I'm just running running through in my mind teams that teams that had that happen to them. Um, and, and um, you know, so that's, that's you know, that's uh, where we sit right now. Well, Lynn, let's let's get into the game. It is uh, an SEC championship. It is LSU versus Georgia, and this line has continued moving. It's now LSU seventeen and a half point underdogs. I know Jay Daniels was banged up. They say he's going to be ready to go when he's healthy and playing well. He can give defenses some problems, but this Georgia defense has been so good and suffocating all year long. Uh, is there any chance LSU can cover the seventeen and a half in this one? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've had, you know, we've had a couple of a uh, couple of twenty twenty plus. Uh, you know, Vanderbilt was more than twenty, I think, when they beat Florida. Uh, South Carolina was more than twenty when they beat uh, when they beat Tennessee. So yeah, I think so, and I think seventeen and a half is too too large. I mean, you've got a pretty healthy Georgia team. Uh, they're you know they got more to play for. Um, they're it's a, it's a home field advantage. I mean, they can say what they want to. Anytime Georgia plays in the dome. Uh, the, the just the natural ticket sales around the area. It's going to be a predominantly Georgia crowd, and and yeah, I think Georgia will win. Uh, if I were betting on it, which I don't bet on games, but if I did, I was doing the line. I'd take LSU. I mean, I don't I don't see that Georgia unless unless down the stretch, let's say that that Georgia's got a, a comfortable lead and LSU has to try an onside kick or and it backfires on them or they, you know, have to throw throw run a risky play or something. Um, I don't think that unless something like that happens, I don't think that uh, that Georgia will cover seven eight, 17 and a half point line. So I, I would. That's sort of the way I feel about that. I think I think Georgia Georgia wins it, but they uh, but they probably it's probably closer than 17 points. If I was, you know, if I was betting on it. Lynn, are there any positives to take out of this uh, season for for Texas A and M? Well, I mean, winning your last game's good. I mean, but when you hadn't won but one other SEC game, and quite frankly, they were fortunate to use to to do it. Arkansas should have beaten them, and uh, you get run out of the stadium by a mediocre Appalachian State team. 
I, I don't see how I can get much positive out of this for A&M, and I'm sorry because I know we've got a lot of A&M fans in the audience, and they know that I've been connected uh, some with with Texas. But uh, so I get no delight in it. But uh, I, I don't really see anything positive for them, other other than they did play a very good game against LSU. And it's just another one of those teams that were that I I think LSU is better than A and M, but uh, on the day they played they weren't, and that's been the case in you know a number a number of times. So um, you know in ten, uh, you know Texas 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 A and M both uh, did not achieve uh, as much as we thought they would achieve this year. And the team that you cover very closely, uh, the Auburn Tigers, they filled their coaching vacancy with Hugh Freeze. A guy who had great success at Ole Miss, but as we know, you know what led to his downfall there, and then he's been at Liberty doing a good job there the last few years, beat Arkansas this year. What do you make of the Hugh Freeze hire? Because it seems like a lot of the Auburn faithful love the hire, but it's getting a lot of national criticism because of all the stories that have yeah, followed well, Hugh get, Freeze. Yeah, it's getting a lot of criticism from Auburn, uh, from Auburn people, from Auburn fans. The, I mean, he wasn't my first choice. I mean, speaking as an Auburn alumni and also speaking as a sports writer, he wasn't my first choice, but... Um, in, a, in, a, in a way, he's sort of gotten a bad route because he's addressed the stuff that happened in Ole Miss straight up. He addressed it again yesterday, both the, the fact that the team uh, did NCAA violations and the fact that he had some personal problems. And, you know, if he were ducking them or lying about them or, you know, trying to hide from them, that'd be one thing, but he's not. He's addressing them straight on. Uh, before he took the job at Liberty, um, you know, he, he addressed their student convocation up there and talked about what his problems had been. And... Um, so I, you know, I admire him doing that. I, I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, there, there are a lot of occasions where, where coaches have been given a, a second chance. Kevin Sampson. Hey, the first opportunity that uh, that Hugh Freeze had after he left Ole Miss was to be the offensive coordinator in Alabama. Nick Saban wanted him and, and asked the SEC if Alabama could hire him. And, um, and the SEC turned it down because they said it had – while I don't think there was an official uh, show cause – against uh, Kiffin, uh, I think the SEC kind of uh, informally put one and said you got to wait a little bit of time to, to get over what, uh, you know, what happened. And, uh, you know, we'll see. He's, been, he's certainly been successful everywhere he's been as a head coach. Uh, he's been a great offensive guy, a great developer of quarterbacks. And um, I, I'll really I'll be surprised if he doesn't do a good job. The thing is, people are going to let him have a chance to. Um, I, I think I think Brian Harson probably was not a good fit at Auburn, but Auburn a lot of Auburn people did not give him a chance. And uh, Auburn, as as other teams, I'm not just throwing them under the bus. LSU saw him with uh, you know with with Coach O and uh, and Les Miles. Um, you know you've got to you've got to give a coach a chance, and you've got to not be looking for every time he might slip up for that to be the excuse that you say, oh good good let's fire him let's get rid of him. And uh, you know Auburn's going to, have to change its tune on the way it did with Harson. I'm not defending Harson, um, nor am I defending what uh, what uh, Hugh Freeze had going on uh, eight or ten years ago at Mississippi. But I know, um, I know, for me for one, uh, I wouldn't want things I've done in the past to be put out in the public eye. And uh, I hope if they were, you know, I have the have the uh, character at least to address them head on. And I I do appreciate the fact that Hugh Freeze did that. Lynn, before we let you go, you got a thought on the uh, about this college football playoff, about how it's going to shake out? I've, I've got a pretty strong feeling on this college football playoff thing. I think there's only five teams that ought to be given a chance. You know, I, I know y'all y'all know that I covered the SEC. You got Tennessee there with two losses. They're not playing in the championship game. They got two losses. They shouldn't be in there over a one-loss team. Alabama's got two losses. Uh, they didn't win their division. They're not playing for the championship. 
uh, they shouldn't be in there. And you're going to, and, and that's going to, you know, offend some people probably for their Alabama fans, Tennessee fans, or SEC fans. But I'm sorry, if uh, you know, if Southern Cal just has one loss, uh, if if TCU loses that game and just has one loss, and they played for their championship, they deserve to be in the in the Final Four more than Tennessee or Alabama. And that's just you know, how I feel about it. I think Ohio State's going to have one loss, and a one loss team in a major conference should get it over a team with two losses that doesn't even play for its championship. And so that's, you know, I think it ought to be Georgia, uh, Michigan, uh, TCU if it wins its game. Really probably TCU if it doesn't win its game. Ohio State, and I think the real question is going to come down if uh, Southern Cal defeats Utah, which uh, which makes up for the loss that they had this year, which is a one-point loss to Utah. Then uh, the real question to me would come down, does Ohio State or, or Southern Cal get that final position? With Utah getting the, I mean, with uh, TCU getting the third one, but it makes you know it's what makes uh, the, the the season fun and the end of the season fun. And I do want to say this, guys, I appreciate so much the opportunity to be on with y'all every week. Uh, Lindy's, everybody at Lindy's appreciates your station, appreciates the privilege to be on there, and to the audience and uh, and to the advertisers, uh, we appreciate uh, those that listen to us every week. We appreciate those that listen to the Lindy's Football Report. Uh, guys, at the Thanksgiving season and going into Christmas, we got a whole lot to be thankful for. Hope it's a great uh, upcoming week and holiday season for everybody. And uh, when we have the opportunity, guys, let's uh, let's talk again. Well said, Lynn. We always appreciate your uh, visits with us. Uh, and that's going to do it. We're out of time. Uh, it's going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. Thank you for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked on Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Chris Gordy for Lynn Scarborough and Dan Matthews. We'll talk to you tomorrow right here on Locked on SEC.